Welcome to the 200% Life Podcast with Adam Hergenrother and Caitlin Frotland, where we bring you weekly insights into spiritual growth and business success. You know, it's really, um, it's unfortunate, but we've had a lot of flooding. Actually, the second flood in the state of Vermont, uh, actually in all of New England, and if people have been watching the news or on Instagram or on TikTok and TikTok a thing, do they put it on TikTok or no? I don't know. I don't know. But I saw all these down, like all the different social media platforms. People kept sending me these things that are happening in Vermont. We had towns that were evacuated from the flooding. I mean, we had like three to four inches of rain in like a 24-hour period of time. And as much as there was obviously, I don't believe anybody actually had like lost their life. I don't think there was anything like that. But there was a lot of damage done um, to a lot of property. And I couldn't help but think I was watching some of the rivers, even the rivers near our house, ones that we go into a lot, how quickly they started overflowing. And the energy that was that was being pushed through the river and just taking everything with it. And there's, you know, a lot of times in ancient scriptures, they talk about how um, rivers can be an analogy to how your energy flow inside kind of removes all of your, you know, your samskaras, your drama, your scars that are in there and kind of removes them. And I thought it was a really, um, when I'm watching this, I'm just, I'm just seeing it and kind of play in my own head how things happen uh, as these rivers grabbed everything in its path, mm-hmm. right? It didn't matter what it was. It could be a boat. It could, I saw them take like concrete pillars down. It was taking huge culverts, which are things that go underneath roads. I saw one of them actually. I don't know if you saw this one and that was in Maine. It took the whole bridge away. No. And it was just so much energy that kind of just, it just removed all this stuff. And a lot of the times that we, when we, we hint on this, almost every podcast that we ever do about when you relax, you release, which we're going to get into today and act, what you're actually doing is almost what the rivers were doing, just in an unfortunate way. They were taking and, and creating damage and removing things along the way. But as you open more, you have more energy that flows through you. And as more energy flows through you, it actually removes the old um, kind of the, the drama, the samskaras, we'll get into that word. But just the anything that you've stored in there, right, that has been causing a problem. Um, and the more you open up, the more it takes. But guess what happens when that when that occurs is you actually start to uh, feel more intense pain. The more you open and the more it pushes things through, the more that you the more that you, you tend to open up your your energy ways like you can you can feel it especially if, like if you're going through an event which today we want to talk about how do you handle you know triggers and fears at workplaces because i think that's a big common one and i got to get into citing a, a survey here but when you get into the actual releasing of that part it's it's really the same thing that's like you're pushing these things away that have been blocking your energy so that the energy can flow more freely but in order to remove so that the energy constantly and permanently flows through there you go through this deeper level of pain. That's why people refer to it as the pain that passes uh, all pain or the pain that releases all pain. Mm-hmm. And that's because in order to push it out, you have to experience it. And it's the same thing in these rivers. And again, it's, it's, it's a little bit different, but it's the same kind of concept. It's just pushing everything out of its way and it's removed everything. Now it's got a clear channel. Of course, it doesn't, it's not helpful for the mechanical nature of life in terms of the bridge is gone. We have to rebuild the bridge. But it's the same flow just when you have this rush of energy to come through there it's allowing you to kind of push this energy through more yeah that's a really powerful analogy and just thinking about how the river does clear and then afterwards the trees that were in the way are gone everything's gone just flows more freely yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's it, but it, it was just the part of it was the carnage that's happening during it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, again, isn't good from the river's perspective, but it's actually what I believe your purpose of your life is here for, which is to remove all of this stuff that's blocking your energy flow, so that you permanently open up. And that's why it's never about a particular instance that opens you up. Those are wonderful things, but how do you permanently remove these things, right? And I think work, I've always said from the beginning that business is nothing but a conduit for your personal growth. And so what does that really mean, right? And let's jump in today, which is really about how do you handle big triggers and fear at work? Yeah, so there's an interesting study where it said nearly nine in 10 employees are suffering from fears related to their work, with the majority saying these fears have, ne or have negatively impacted their workplace experience. Um, and so this survey found 87% to be exact that people have work-related fears. And I was talking about this with my husband, Rick, last night, and he said, oh yeah, and the other 13% are lying because <laughs> it's just like human experience to have yeah. fears to get at work. So there was an article in Business Insider that listed some of the most common fears. So they were imposter syndrome, fear of failure, public speaking, making decisions, taking responsibility, getting fired, being disliked not being in the know, not having as much talent as your colleagues, making a mistake, not being able to handle your workload, hitting an income plateau, jealous of other success, not having the influence that you want. Um, and then I was wondering too, from a business leader, CEO perspective, are there other ones that you would say that are specific to people who are running organizations beyond this list? Well, I think the, I mean, you kind of summarized all of the major issues that were there, right? I think yeah. people always have these fears of, I mean, imposter syndrome for owners and executives is a big one. It basically means as you grow a business, um, you start to realize that you need people more than they need you. And then you realize that you're not quite as good as you thought you were. Because in the beginning, a lot of times you can, you can, with your own energy and charisma and kind of drive, you can get a business to a certain size. But at some point you have to turn it over and you realize your people are actually helping you drive the entire business. And it's not just one person, it's every individual that's helping there. And so you almost feel like I'm supposed to be this leader. Oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be this business owner that is getting praise or getting an award or whatever it is, your name's in the paper for good or bad. Um, I'm supposed to be this person and I don't really feel like I'm that level of what people give me credit for. It's almost like people put you up on a, on a pedestal, especially with people that are really wealthy and are in the news a lot. They think they're somehow like there's some gift. I remember the first job that I ever had, um, I'm not sure I ever showed this, it was, uh, I was a commercial underwriter. And I did this for like 90 days. And um, that's actually how I, I quasi got into real estate. I'd already bought in real estate up to that point, but I, I started becoming a commercial underwriter and I started underwriting all of these real estate deals that were relatively small for our area at the time, like 300,000, 500,000. This was back in 2006. Um, so real estate was obviously less uh, expensive then. And I remember being like, wow, these guys must be some level of God. And I didn't say it that way, but that's literally was my impression. I'm like, I can't wait to meet them. They must have some superpower. Mm -hmm. I really thought they did. Like, I just assumed that that's what they were. And as I, and part of my job was to actually communicate a lot with these people and listen to them and kind of discuss it. And, you know, of course they were, you know, in their, at that time, you know, forties, fifties and sixties. And I started meeting with them and I realized not only because of the interactions I was having, but they were also sharing, like, I don't have all the answers. And they were also admitting some of their mistakes or I started just realizing that they weren't the people that I thought they were mm. right. They, and I don't mean that from a negative perspective. I just mean, it was my own blocking thinking that like somehow only this was reserved for people that some had some special gift that was there. 
it was the first turning point in my life of really realizing like, well, I can actually do this. Like, I, of course I can. Like, I, I, I may have different strengths than somebody else, but I can go out there and do this. And then it started just advancing as you got more into business and you meet with people that are worth 100 million, then multiple billions. And you just start meeting with them and you realize they're the same way, right? It's, they have consistency. They make better decisions. They make really good decisions. They also just never give up. I know it's such a, um, you know, interesting line. Like it used to be very popular and I still use it because it's really business building and surviving mistakes. I know we're kind of going down this tangent, but that's really from a from um, like an imposter syndrome standpoint, it's like you you just believe that you're in your own mind. It's a thought, right? It's a thought that's generated. You buy into the thought of thinking that you should be something more. And then this causes a different level of action for you to take. And this is why people start to feel inauthentic. They start to feel like they're not having the value because they feel like they need to go and do and prove to them. So that's why they end up starting something new or trying to do something else or trying to be creative or trying to be the one with all the answers, which isn't it doesn't, sometimes that's accurate, but majority of the time, I don't care whoever's sitting in the room. If there's enough smart people in the room, there should be a combination of everyone's solutions that should go into that to actually usually makes the best decision. Uh, and the more you can understand that and see that, the more you're willing to allow the organization to make its best decision for mm -hmm. it. I've never heard business defined that way as just surviving your mistakes. And yeah. that really comes back to what we're talking about too. Like how do you survive all those emotions that come up when you have those mistakes and those triggers? everything and building their resiliency to do that over and over and over again yeah you know it's uh um you just you just learn that that's part of the process of what happens um you know fear of failure right is a big one for not just for owners but for anybody that's there you know how do you make decisions and really we've we've talked a lot about this before but making decisions the reason why people struggle making decisions so much is because they they're trying to mentally play out a, a mini movie in their head of if I make this decision, how is it going to hit my stuff? If I make this decision, how is it going to hit my stuff? And it's almost like you're playing it out to see how your inner experience will respond so that then you can make the one that you feel is going to give you the best inner experience at some future point. And it's what really people are doing. And you're not interacting with the moment. Exactly. You're yourself. That's exactly right. And that's why it's, ego is, again, it's being egoic is not about like some showing off because you have a car. I mean, that's a form yeah. of a louder ego, but ego is really about how am I going to feel from this? About anything. It could be about like, why does my kid act this way, right? Or why why do, why do does my road not get plowed, right? I mean, it's the simplest of things. It's just you realize it's about how the world should interact for me instead of how the world's just interacting. That's really the, the kind of definition we're looking for here. So can we connect this? So you use words from Scar a lot. So just, so a fear at work, like, it is a samskara, it isn't a samskara, like what is it from like this kind of bigger, larger philosophy about spirituality and business at work? Like you use the word samskara a lot. Is that what every fear is, is a samskara? You know, I think, um, you know, all of these kind of point back to the same thing. Anytime that you're triggered, anytime life happens, and a lot of times at work, is a great opportunity for us to grow personally or spiritually because there's a lot of things we don't sign up for, right? And again, we just highlighted all of those those deep emotions, these triggers at work that happen to most people, I don't know, multiple times a day, yeah, sometimes like how, bigger, right? How many yeah. times a day would you say a trigger comes up at work? And is it less for you now? Um, you know, I, I, I would, compared to when I first started, it's, it's, it's not even in the same ballpark in terms mm -hmm. of how often it does. I would say it still happens. The difference is it's how quickly it recedes versus before it would stay for days, weeks, months. 
Now, if something shows up that, you know, of course, and what it is, is something that I don't want to happen happens or something that I'm trying to get doesn't happen. And that's usually the trigger that happens instantaneously it kind of hits. It's there. But I like to think about is, is kind of like writing on water, which is like, you know, it's there for a moment, but then it kind of recedes. The Dalai Lama talks about his sacred pause when something triggers him because they asked him in his book, um, you know, him and with Desmond Tutu, who, who they wrote that book together. Uh, the book of joy and he talks about his sacred pause which is within three seconds he wants to release the energy he doesn't say Mm -hmm. to release the energy but what he says is when something triggers me he goes do you still get angry he said yes Mm -hmm. right do i still get mad is i think he said mad he said yes i do the difference is within three seconds it's gone and so i think it's the same thing here there's plenty of things that trigger me at work but when they do it's just i just you remind yourself like okay the event happened part of being witness conscious though is that people use that word a lot. Being a witness conscious is experiencing what you're experiencing. It's not about trying to get a certain experience. So the more the witness conscious you are of just looking at things, you're going to feel that. And so if you're feeling that and you pretend that you don't feel it because you're supposed to be spiritual, that is, you're now suppressing. Now you're suppressing these things. Versus if you are, if you're, if you're witness conscious, if you're just having a state that you can see everything, you notice the fact that all of a sudden you're now triggered, right? That's all you're doing. But in that moment when it's no longer happening, so you just read an email, you get on a phone call, you're off of it, it should be gone. If it's not in the objective conscious of what you're seeing, it should just start to move away. And it doesn't mean like instantaneously, but it may take you a minute or two, but how quickly can you release it? I always try to play this game, which is like, well, that was a big trigger. How fast can I get back to my seat of self? Meaning, or how about how fast can I get back to where this is no longer bothering me? And I just go back to what we talk about, which is how quickly can you just handle the situation? Can you get caught in suppression there if you're trying to get back to not experiencing the fear? I think if you're using your mind to push it down, you absolutely will. Mm -hmm. What I really mean with what you're doing is you're just relaxing and releasing. And you're really just allowing the event to move through you, which means that it typically gets more painful faster, which essentially is what a samskara. So samskara, right, is a stored energy. Remember, back up for a second. Every event that happens in life is energy, right? Everything, whether it's, you know, you're driving down the road and you see a tree, that's an energy event, right? Every, scientist, psychologist, spiritualist, anybody in the world is going to tell you that everything is now revolved around energy, right? And the I think science is like Science is exactly like, so we all now. realize that everything is some form of energy, yeah. right? So when an event happens, like if, as you're listening to this right now, an event's happening, that is energy that people are breaking down into hydrogens and atoms and nucleons and all these different things that are happening to create whatever it creates, a carbon molecule, whatever you want to refer to it as, and then that's how you experience it, right? So this event occurs and you experience it, which has an energy component to it, it's a pattern, just like every snowflake is unique, right? I don't know if you know this, but every snowflake has its own pattern to it, its own nature to it, just like every tree has their own rings that are only to those trees. Just like every human has their own DNA sequence, right? Mm. So every event is energy and it has this. So what happens when an energy event occurs, it starts to come in and you as the experiencer of life starts to experience it. As you experience it, you then are using your personal mind to go, do I like this? Is this bothering me? Do I don't like this? Or is it just something that I just don't pay attention to? And the reality is, is, and what most people don't think about is, 99% 99% of what happens in a day doesn't bother them. Even things that are around their their peripheral. Of course, 99.999% of things that happen in the world don't bother you, right? Because I mean, think about all the things that are happening right now and you're not being bothered by them. Mm-hmm. Even the things that you pay attention to though, like when you walked into this office today, like 
how many the, the ceiling tiles bothering you, yeah. right? I mean, it's not all the lights, any of these things, they just don't bother us. And so what we start to realize though, is that there are a handful of things that we either wanted to get and we didn't, or that we are trying to avoid and we got, and we don't like that feeling. So when that energy starts to come in there, the energy feels different, right? Because you've now set up a stage the way you want life to be, and it's not happening that way. So therefore you're fighting and you're resisting it. That resistance caused the energy to almost freeze. And that energy, which then is the form of a circle, which is why the circle is one of the most powerful forms in the universe, because it can continue to move and stay in one spot, which is what a samskar essentially does. It's a scar, right, that stays inside, that's blocking the flow of your energy. It's kind of where you started this, the analogy of the river. If the river is completely clear and you drop one boulder in, there's now some level of ripple. Even if it's the lowest level, to some level down there, the water now has to move around it. Well, think about all the things that you've now stored that you didn't like that have happened in a 30-year period of time. I mean, billions, right? Right, right? You know, millions of things that you've stored. Think about putting up every one of those things that you didn't, that you experienced you didn't like, or the some of the things that you did like that you that you held onto again are still stored as well too. So it works both ways, but the majority of them are uh, in a negative viewpoint. And you, and you, that's imagine if you blocked an entire river like that. Pretty soon, there's just a trickle of energy flowing, right? Mm. And that's why when then when life happens the way you really want it to, it's almost like it just it, you open up a little bit. It's like you move the clouds away so the sun a, sh- a, a ray of light can come through, and it's the same way that your energy. And so the whole point of what's happening at work is that all of these stored energy things that are in there, when something happens outside, it hits one of them. And when it hits it, it releases the energy of that pattern. And that energy has a certain component to it, right? And that component is what I'm referring to as a feeling. And so if you stored it because you didn't like the experience because you didn't get a bike when you were six, when it gets hit at some point in the future, you're going to relive that experience because you didn't re- you didn't fully experience it when it happened because you didn't like it, so you pushed it away. It's still in there. And it's not like you want the bike and so you're now as an adult, you're feeling reactive. It's like I had didn't feel like I deserved the bike. My brother got it and I didn't get it. Why didn't I get it? It's hitting the emotional resonance yes. of the experience, not the actual. Yeah, that's life. exactly right. Yeah. yeah, you're just yeah. you're hitting some the pattern of energy is stored, right? And, you know, an example of this could be is like, you know, a deer eats grass, right? A wolf howls in the night, right? That's people are like, oh, wow, wolf's howling. It's just its nature to howl, mm-hmm. right? Rabbits don't howl. Mm-hmm. So it's just everything has its own nature. And so, and everything has an energetic feeling to it. A wolf howling at one in the morning, if you're 30 yards away from it, will, will have an energetic feel that you feel, which is probably somewhat scary or somewhat euphoric based on your experiences, mm-hmm. right? Versus a butterfly coming in or watching a deer frolic in the grass probably has a different feeling associated with it. <clears throat> so as these events happen, you now have stored the ones that you like. I like watching, <clears throat> I like watching a deer frolic in the, in the snow. I don't like it when a wolf howls really close to me. It scares me because I don't like that experience, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, I'm just using nature as an example, but it could be the same thing as I don't like the way this person at work emailed me. I like the way this person emailed me. So now all of a sudden, anytime you ever get an email that's somewhat related to how that person originally emailed you, you take that as, as you, you, you're reliving that experience plus all the other ones that you had, which is why it feels even worse than it did the first time because you've now stacked boulders on top of it because you keep storing it. So then, of course, every time that you see an email with that person's name in it or that starts with the same sentence or is implying the same thing, you're now hit and it becomes a fear or it becomes a trigger at work. 
which is also why business is the greatest conduit because then you can go, okay, great. Now I can get this out of here so I can actually sit there and handle the reality of the situation. I can handle life. Mm. Would you, so these fears particularly, would you say these are like, for most people, the big, some scars, like there are the small annoyances of life, you know, that kind of ping you and you're like, oh, that's annoying. Or I don't like that feeling. But then, I mean, we were talking recently here where in, in Project You, how some of these scars can literally feel like they're crushing you. I mean, it's like yeah. you are going through a really intense inner experience. And like the river that you're describing here at the beginning, like it feels all powerful and can be just a really, really big experience. You know, they, they feel like they're crushing you the more you allow them closer to you. Mm. So the more that that you... And so this is where really like the the relaxation or the surrender or being aware or being present, any of those words are all designed and pointed to get you to operate in, the, in some form of fashion, which is if something's bothering you, you release it. I don't mean you express it, which is different. I mean, you who's in there is relaxed, but you're allowing the energetic event of that itself, which is again, think of it as just as a samskara and think of it as samskara as just an energy pattern that has been inside you and you're just getting rid of it. You know, one of the analogies that we use um, is, you know, if you think about in the book, which you think about like a, a if you had like a skunk in a fridge, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like at some point you had to bring the skunk in the fridge, you put it in there. And now the, the skunk is in the fridge and it just sits in there. And every day you come home and there's a smell that smells bad inside your house. So you Febreze it, you get candles, you put shrink wrap around the fridge. You're doing all this stuff every day to try to minimize the smell of the fridge and you're trying to deal with it. So every time, you know, then you're you're driving down your road and you smell a skunk and all of a sudden it reminds you of it. It's the same thing. You have this one store energy of this skunk sitting in there and you spend all of your life trying to minimize or trying to work around the issue with it. Again, candles, skunks. You build an addition onto your house, right? All You repaint your house trying to think it's going to go away. You do all these things. And every time you do one, by the way, you're convincing yourself or the ego is convincing you that this is the path. This is what you need to do. And to eventually you have to go one day, you have to go, well, the only way to really get the smell out is to remove the skunk. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. The, really the only way to get rid of the fear, to get rid of the trigger that you're experiencing is to remove it from what's being inside you. And so the more, if you go over to the fridge and you open up the fridge, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Cause mm -hmm. now you've opened it. Now you're, it's in your hand where you're bringing it. And now it's going to smell a lot more. The same thing inside is when you're releasing one of these things, it's going to get heat hotter. It's going to feel more painful. It's going to feel like it's disturbing you more and it's going to feel like it can crush you. Mm -hmm. It almost feels like it's moving to the point of like it's piercing you, especially the bigger ones. And they start moving through you. But that's how they, they this the pain that releases all pain. And it just it, pain that passes all pain. It's some, some, some yeah, like, like that. that. But it's like it just constantly just you, you have to move it out. And as you move it and you drop it off the rush, then it's out forever. I actually once heard, I think Adi Shanti said this, um, where he used the, the Hercules example of how um, they asked him to basically, you know, wash out all the stables, right? They, oh, yeah. Do you remember that example yeah, when he basically one. said, like, you know, this is what got me thinking about the river analogy, where he said, you know, you've got to clean out all of, like, the the entire stables from, like, they had a bunch of animals in there and all that. Yeah, do you remember they that were giving him a challenge, yes, I think, right. and they, it was, like, a bunch of stables. I, this is a very loose yes. interpretation, yes. but it had a ton of manure, yes, and they right. were like, you have a day to yes. do it, and it was like, it was, yeah, it was not going to happen, and so 
Yeah. And so what he did was he went and redirected the river. Yeah. And the river, and as soon as he redirected the river, all of the energy of the river went to the stables and cleaned the entire stables. And he actually accomplished the goal. Now, I don't know if it actually happened or was true, but it's the same thing here. If you can redirect your energy to push these things out, you're clean. Mm. And that's the same thing when I was thinking about this river of how much it was just taking this debris away. You just stopped and realized that's how easy it is to remove it from you than you. It's just, it's easy, but it's so hard. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. Yeah. You know who else uses the river analogy too is on Ram Das. Yes, that's and right. He was pretty accomplished at yes. Harvard professor. Yeah. I mean, he was like, you know, operating at a pretty high level in the world. And he said at the beginning of his spiritual journey, he would be like almost coward. And he was also a psychologist. Mm -hmm. So he was very familiar with the inner world. And he would say that when things would hit me, I would almost be in my bathtub, just like, you know, in pain and agony because the emotional aspect of it was so intense. And then he had said at towards the end of his spiritual journey um, mm -hmm. that it was like when these things would happen, it was like he was watching down on a river yeah. and the river would flow between him or below him rather. And occasionally a splash would come up and hit him. And he said, and I used to live in that river, yeah. but now it's just a splash. And then he moves on, you know? Well, I, I mean, I, he's spot on. I mean, as you move beyond, you used to be in the river, which is like tumultuous, which is where people are living their lives. Yeah. Right? And that's why that's why work triggers everything for them because they they wake up every day with, this is how I want the world to be. This is how I need it to be. And remember, just if you get anything from this part of the podcast, just this podcast at all, just remember that you people wake up and, and the first thing they think about, which is, they don't say it this way. The first thing that people do, which is, how do I go and get the world in a, in, to operate, to unfold in a way that's not going to hit too bad of my stuff inside? Mm -hmm. Imagine, that's just what people, it's so sad. That's what people are doing. And that's why when you first hear that, you go, well, what's wrong with that? Of course I want to get it the way I want because I feel better when I do. And that is a very common. That's why people that are would obviously never listen to this podcast, not that they're, they, they don't have the ability to do that, but they just, they think that the only way to get, to get this feeling inside going is to go get the world the way they want them to. And they spend their entire times doing that until you start doing this deeper work, which you can do it through business. You can do it through anything. It's just life. You wake up one day and you realize I'm not, I've played this game. I've mm -hmm. played this game of trying to go get what I want. In fact, I've gotten no matter most 99% of the people have gotten at some point many many things they wanted and they're not they're not permanently in a state of bliss. I always joke when I'm asked that question on podcast. I'm like when I, for me when I when I had business as money it was this is $500,000 in income goal and I made it. I thought somehow like there was going to be like this fruit tree sitting outside my backyard like filling me with you know with just nothing but inner joy because that's what people like when when people say go be successful adam like if you go be successful caitlin if you go be successful whoever it is that you're referring to what they're saying is if you go out and be successful enough with enough accolades titles money leverage power fame that you'll be able to better control the situations around you so that you have a better sense of how it's going to hit you which is true you do like from a mechanical level you have enough money to get People change, don't they? People operate the way you want them to with money. They'll do everything you want them to with money because you be controlled that way. So you now, now, now are trapped with power unless you realize you need to do the deeper work, which is then it doesn't matter if you have money or not money. It doesn't matter you know, the decisions that you're actually making. What matters is if you're willing to let that go and you start being fed from within or you start having that flow of energy be there, you don't need to make the same decisions for the same decisions that you're making you just start making decisions for purely making decisions. 
And that's where people get trapped is that they just keep thinking that I have to wake up and go get the world the way I wanted to. And it's exhausting. And this is why people have so much anxiety and so much stress in their lives because they're resisting. What is stress? Stress is resisting. Like it's, there's a good stress in physicality. If you go to the bench press, you're stressing against your muscles to rebuild them. And, and in life, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're stressing against the, what is actually happening outside because it's not the way you want it to be. And so therefore you instantly create this stress, which creates this internal turmoil that you have. And then the only way you see out of that, which is the patterns that you've been in for the rest of your life, when people tell you is to go fix it outside so you're better inside. Mm -hmm. And that's what people do. Instead of realizing, well, why don't I just go fix the inner world, right? Why don't I redirect the river and put my energy towards removing all of these samskaras, removing all of this, this, you know, samskaras really just kind of is a, too much of a big word. Just think of it as like scars. Think of it as trauma. Or think of it as anything that you stored in there that you either didn't like or liked that is now um, being hit. And many times and I've, I've heard people talk about how it's a collage of them all, right? It's not just like one event. It could be, but a lot of times it's just like millions of these events that come in that are now like coiled up as these big balls of energy. So you, it could something could trigger and you go, well, I've never had that experience before. But it may you tr stop trying to think about that. It's like trying to unwind a you know a spider's web. Like you know, it's like so interconnected that you just don't know which one it is that actually is triggering it. Yeah, sometimes it's layers, and I mean, Many as you watch it come up, it's like, oh wow, that's in here too, you know? And yeah. yeah. So let's say someone is in this place right now that they're being hit by a big samskara. Like, can you walk us through the process of like what is the best way? And I know we say relax and release a lot. Yeah. But that's also, it's like three simple words and yeah. we're talking about a pretty big yeah. experience. Can you break it down what the, it looks like? The, the people, I mean, and this is an everyday practice for me, but it's not about relaxing the energy or relaxing the, if you feel anger, it's not about trying to relax anger. It's not about trying to use the mind to relax it, which is the most common mistake people make in this phase. People go to the mind, they go to the mind, they go, I'm working on myself, which you are, by the way. That is a stage that people need to go through. So that's wonderful if you're doing that, by the way. If you're intently trying to work on yourself in this way, that's amazing. Like this is but part of the, if you can speed through this process, is if you go to the mind to ask it to deal with its drama in there or to deal with this issue, it, it can't. Do you think it actually, kind of what you said earlier, makes it bigger when you do that? Well, I think you're just adding on to it now. Yeah. Now you're fueling the fire. Okay. It'd be like if you go, if I would ask you to go put out the fire, instead of putting water on it, you put another log in there. Mm. What's it going to do? It's just going to keep getting, that's all you're doing. That's what people yeah. are doing. So you just keep putting another log in the fire. And so it just continues to storm and it gets bigger and bigger. And so at some point, maybe you just walk out of the house and the fire is still going. And, but it's now you've suppressed this. So you don't see the fire anymore. That's kind of what people do. Versus like, if you just if you start putting water on it, it gets steamy, it gets hotter, it gets like it just, whatever those different things are in that analogy. But it's it's really about um, it, you you have to relax you. It's it's the part of you that's experiencing it has to relax and allow. This is it's such a it's such a simple but yet it's the most important thing for people to realize is like once you let go, once you relax the energy pattern itself can go through there. Let me give you another example of this. Let's say you had a big commercial fan and it was six by six and it was blowing like those ones that they use for like taping sheetrock to dry. If you have a kite and you're trying to fly it into the, into the you know, 
or like a little paper airplane, you're trying to fly it into the fan, it's never going to go anywhere. And it's like you pick it up and you keep throwing it over and over again. At some point, you have to kill the fan, and then you can throw the throw the paper airplane, and it'll go right past it. It's the same thing here. Once you kill your energy of trying to fight against the the, the energy, you drop the energy, the resistance against it, just like the fan dropping its speed. And instantaneously, it's gone, and now there's no resistance anymore. Mm. If there's no resistance of the energy, the energy then quickly moves its way through you, mm. just like an airplane would quickly move its way past the fan. So it's the same thing. The minute you drop your resistance to what's happening outside, the minute the the energy pattern itself, the drama, the scars, the samskaras start working its way through you. But as they come closer, don't forget, they get hotter. They get more uncomfortable. They get more disturbance. But then it's, at some point, it's just gone. Would you say it's like a like a feeling in your gut that moves up? Like, or what's it? For, yeah, and, I, and you know, everyone has a little bit different experiences. And, and I've had, uh, for me, early on, um, I've had um, some of my teachers tell me that when they first started this practice, they would throw up. They mm. literally would throw up, and they did that for about six months. Yeah. But for me, in my experience, it was it was I instantly like rele- I start to release things, and like my arms will shake. Like you mm. can feel like the kind of shaking of that. Like you can feel the energy start to release. It starts in the gut. And it really works. It's I can feel it. Like it's almost like you have to like burp almost. Yeah. Like it feeling it moving its way all the way through you. It event, you know, in the beginning you would kind of get stuck there, and then you know, eventually as you open up more and more, it starts. I can feel it go right through your throat, and you can feel it just woof, escape right out. Mm-hmm. And typically, once it moves from the gut and it gets to the throat, the throat to like releasing it from there actually happens pretty fast. It's the I find it's like the it's the building up in the gut, and once it starts moving, it actually can move faster. But it's like I feel like it stays in the gut and starts to build up. Like you first get a twinge of it. Like now I bet you, I know you've done a lot of this work. You can start to instantaneously if something gets triggered or it's like you're you're fine and there's almost really not even an event that happens and all of a sudden you get triggered and you're going oh one's coming right yeah. it's almost like you can start to feel it and it starts to move and move and move and then all of a sudden it just gives you that opportunity to just sit back and release it but it's like it feels like a physical sensation it feels like it moves through you um, and as it does it just compl- it just starts to go right through you like the other day i was coming to work and for like an hour i sat there and just released the entire drive that i had in the work it's probably like 45 minutes actually but it just wouldn't release. And I just like, I was like, at one point I just laughed because I was like, man, this thing does not want to stop. But it was, again, it followed by an intense, you know, uh, of just lightness and just, you can feel part of you is just gone. Do you feel it go when it gets to the throat level? Do you feel it go up and out? Or do you feel like sometimes from here, it's just gone? And I ask that because when I've done it, often I get to here, but then I'm like, oh, I don't know what happened. Like I, and sometimes yeah. it, I feel like yeah. it goes all the way through. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's it's both. I think it's yeah. like right there. It can it can come out your throat chakra. Um, it just mm-hmm. can be released there. Um, I I think sometimes it can feel like it's going right through there. But sometimes it, as long as it gets past to me, it feels like once it gets past the heart and starts getting the, there, it kind of dissipates. Yeah. Um, or sometimes I breathe out and I feel like I'm I'm pushing it out through the breath. Or, I mean, this is deep conversation for people learning. I mean, this is, but this is the real work, right? If people don't want these triggers, they don't want to live with an anxiety. It, it's like you have, again, if you don't want to live with a fire, you have to stop putting logs on. Mm-hmm. You have to at some point put the fire out and remove it. And that's what people are doing. You have to remove these things. That's why everything's pointed to this direction of just, and it's simple. It's just, it's, it's simple, but the hardest thing you'll ever do. I think it's interesting that you mentioned driving because I know that has been 
great place for relaxing and releasing personally. Yeah. You've mentioned it, people project you have mentioned it, that sometimes just driving, I maybe it's just like the subconscious mind is driving and Well you know, you know I think it's like a shower too. It's like the same thing. It's like you give yourself something to do. So your 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 personal mind or conscious mind is kind of focused on something. It's almost like a mantra. Mm. It's almost like focused on something. And so almost it's almost like you're distracting it to allow some things to be released. It's almost like a dreaming state, mm. which part of when you go, when you sleep, it's like you're resting the conscious mind, the personal mind, so that the, the bigger part of your astral body, you can release these bigger things. Mm. So again, it becomes back the purpose of your life begins to use every moment to either enjoy every moment, or if you're not enjoying it, you're at least enjoying the release of whatever is there. So you can put it down. Yeah.